Hello, Internet, and welcome to another kind of episode of the Untold Talks of Spider-Man. We are on to issue seven from Web of. I want to apologize for the delay. I was dealing with a sick child, audio equipment failures, so on and so forth. So we'll be putting out another one soon and catching up. Anyways, yes, issue seven. This is arguably the big one, Craven. And this is really digging back to a lot of arguably Craven's origin, but it's really rewriting some of Craven's origin in a way that's interesting and ultimately kind of more confusing for me. Um, I, I understand this becomes something of a family affair and we see kind of the formation of that family, but no real dynamics of it. So before we dig into that much further, let's just go through the credits. The titles are not much to talk about this time. Gauntlet Origins Craven, with interestingly, despite De Mateus being a big part of this run, it's Fred Van Lante being the writer, which is weird because it's a big Craven story, but ultimately this was the big Craven story story that JM really wasn't that big of a part of. Um, then we have Philip Barones as artist, uh, Jody Wayne coloring, and Joe Caramanga lettering. And then the backup story, which is a paper doll uh, story with Spider-Man, which was kind of wild to read at this point, was Joe Casey writing, Jim Maffood uh, art, Justin Stewart color, color art, and Joe Caramanga letter. So, Yes, as I was saying, Craven is at an interesting point here. He's entertaining a lot of his upper class Russian friends at this party, and the artist really makes it confusing here because it looks like they're kind of accusing him of something the way the art's rendered, and he looks a bit mad talking about it, but he's really just regaling them with hunting stories. Apparently, he just got back from Antarctica. And this lady, who we soon find out is Alexandra, uh, chucks water at him and says, you know, how good of a hunter could you be if, if you can't dodge that? And he tracks her down after she runs off, makes some comment about with her perfume, he could track her anywhere, and goes into a bit of this hunting philosophy about how he doesn't use a long rifle, which is what they were presuming he did, and how he's using stuff only that would be powered by his hand and sinew, you know. So, kind of melee sort of stuff. What we know Craven for, except for in Craven's Last Hunt when he does pick up the gun. Maybe they were trying to play with something there, but I don't really feel it came through. But this is building up Craven more as we know him, you know, a very hands-on guy. And what's interesting is we get these few pages of uh, him in the middle of Daring Do during his hunting trip and dealing with the natives, as it were. 
it, it really feels like an old pulp character and it's interesting remembering that like with all this and his craven outfit which is just crazy that you know he's really russian this is one of the few stories that i feel that actually deals with his nationality which is an interesting point of juxtaposition for the character that is usually pretty well glossed over and so he talks about him being a white russian which is important to you know the russian revolution in response to the bolsheviks and all that and his position there and how he would actually like to thank you know um lenin and stalin and all them for what they did for russia which is so weird that he has such a strong tie to it considering that like even with the rubber banding of the marvel timeline like i, I mean i know it would still have weight but by the time you get to the 60s and at this point we're in the you know 2000s um that's all settled history at, at that point so i i don't know it, it's weird to set him against that it's kind of why they keep resetting what war punisher was in but here in the 2000s we're tying him to to that a and we find out that this whole ploy with alexandra to rile him up and uh, ultimately uh be a honeypot was to try to, you know, be part of this political revenge that her father is orchestrating and using her as a way to get rid of these men of power. And ultimately, this was going to be one of her last ones, but she kills her dad instead and marries Craven because this is the, the hunt she's captured. So they both have this idea of a hunt, though in very different ways in their mind. And that's where our story ends, which is frustrating for me. We do get more with this character later as we go through the event you know, past the gauntlet with the hunted and a little bit more later. But um, Alexandra's a weird character to throw in, given that Calypso was his lover before. So where that all falls and how they don't really talk about that or deal with that is confusing to me. But it's an interesting story nonetheless, and it sets up the events for the hunter to return. And then we get the story, like I said earlier, with Paper Doll that's kind of a last gasp of this era of Spider-Man before it kind of transformed into more of uh, what would be Dan Slott's uh, bit in my mind. I know that we're still ultimately in that era because Dan Slott hadn't actually taken over, but I feel like once Craven comes back, the tone completely changes because we're dealing with all new villains and this all new status quo and all that, and, and then the beats and then the run of Brand New Day really held an energy that just was finalized and kind of phased out with the gauntlet. And so this paper doll story is fascinating to me. It's also fascinating to me, you know, who's writing it because it's Joe Casey, who's a creator who's kind of all over in my mind, but this fits some of his energy. So it's this fashion show in New York that MJ is heading with her club and <laughs> Spider-Man is supposed to be reporting on it. None too thrilled that he has to deal with MJ at the time, but you know, just trying to blend in with the crowd. And then Paper Doll shows up and uh, it just makes a, a big old dumb scene attacking MJ and all this. And it's all about her lover or her obsession, I should say, and how MJ's mistreated him. And so it, it's a rehash of that from Paper Doll's original story. 
But here, it's really just about getting to the action because the art is so weird and like crazy pop culture. Proportions are all off. It's all crazy energy. The lettering sometimes is entire panels or sections of panels, which just crash, slash, splurt. It's just totally colorful, totally fun, and worth flipping through. I mean, you'll also, like, if you look, you'll see that all the panel lines are hand-drawn, which gives it, you know, this more, like, indie energy. This is just a fun Spider-Man romp with him, you know, besting a bad guy, and there's no real ethos or, you know, big lessons or anything. It's just a fun Spider-Man romp. And it closes with uh, Spider-Man's costume all shredded, which ends up being the next fashion trend so in a weird way we get spider-man entering mj's world and winning by you know setting a trend for the moment I, you know as far as a weird little backup story that's only a few pages it's darn fun so you know this adds something ultimately more for the alexandra character plays with craven's you know nationality which is really fascinating because, I mean, how many Spider-Man villains do we really deal with that with? They're all basically in New York, right? So having this really sets Craven apart from the pack and just a fun, energetic art story to wrap it up. Guys, this is a good issue. It adds some stuff. Ultimately, if it raises a lot of questions for Craven's love life, that's fine. You don't always need the entire legacy of everything tucked away into a little 10-pager. So rock on with this and i will catch you guys soon with the next web of